Good morning. Um, my name is Ellie. I'm a compulsive overeater, restrictor, and bulimic. Oh, I do. I'm going to have to walk around. I got energies and heart feelings. Um, oh, I'm so grateful to be here and, and be sharing this morning. Um, oh, my God. Four years ago, I'm going to be crying a lot. And that's, oh, that's the beauty, beauty of this program, that I'm with you as my full, authentic self today. And that includes uh, no, no makeup and um, full heart just present with you. <laughs> um, four years ago today, I was walking through the city when I you know, first got in the rooms, just listening to podcast over podcast over podcast just to get through the day into the next meeting. Um, and it is so humbling to get to record one of these because every time I listened to somebody, there was some compulsive overeater with um, experience, strength, and hope that was willing to share and kept me uh, from picking up that next bite. So I'm aware of the power of technology. It's pretty miraculous. Um, okay, what it was like. Holy moly. Um, I've had this since birth. I truly believe that, unbeknownst to me, for sure. Um, grew up in New York with uh, two parents in so much love and also uh, the, the unbeknownst to me, uh, it was conditional, very much so. Um, AAA parents, they were, they were so go get them, high power to Zek mom with the high shoulder pads, um, artistic father, mother, uh, now, you know, not back then, but got back into the room. She's in AA, uh, and working a spiritual program today. My father, uh, God bless him, is one of us, and I've tried to 12-step him a couple times, and was able to finally really let go of that, and, um, but he is, I have a lot of love for him and his pain today. Uh, and he was a rageaholic in my, in my youth, um, so, it was that dual thing of having so much love, um, especially for my mother. I mean, my father was very affectionate, uh, but he was also scary. And uh, the two of them would just yell, 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 yell at each other, fights, and I would fall asleep to that sound. I did not realize it wasn't normal, right? Like, I think back, and I'm like, a child is just whatever world they're brought up in, it's like, that's the norm. And I didn't have siblings. I'm an only. And it's only today that I realized, like, how much responsibility. Oh, I'm going to do my best not to curse. That's the other thing. God, help me with that. Thank you. Um, so, of course, I reached for food at an early age. Easy. Uh, I had a proclivity to it, and it was there. And I remember eating meals with my parents and we would be racing to eat. And I remember having this very visceral fear that my father, right, one of us, was going to get seconds before me. And God forbid he did that because I wouldn't be able to get seconds. So I was, he was like my sibling in many ways. When it came to the food, I was racing him to eat so that I could get seconds. Meanwhile... Parents are constantly dieting. I remember seeing pamphlets, printouts of all these wacky diets. Um, and so I was around that culture. I mean, and that, that is, look, I'm, I'm going to pace. I'm going to pace a lot just to the nerves, baby. Um, so, yes, I was going over to friends' houses and just amazed at the food in their closets and eating what I didn't have in my house, like all of that. Um, becoming aware uh, in middle school that I was, I was definitely pudgy. You guys, I was not overweight, uh, but just the awareness of I'm not like I'm not quite like the girls that are getting male attention or, uh, you know, so there's something like, a li- OK, well, I'll be the funny girl. I can do that. I can beat to my own drum. Let me just take that full tilt 
And um, in many ways, it was a gift because it really, that, around that time before the, the disease sprung into action, um, I was really, it was, it was Ellie, like letting her lovely freak flag fry, fry <laughs> letting it fry. Um, see, I can't help it. Um, so, uh, but then the awareness kicked in. Is the sound being funky? I just want to check. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> it's on? Yeah, I'm just knocking it around. Whatever, whatever's recorded is what people are meant to hear. Um, so I, I just, I just recall that, that flip, the switch of my mom going, seeing my body naked, changing one day in eighth grade, and going, you know, your metabolism's changing. You're going to have to be aware of what you're eating, kind of thing. I could list zillions of messages I got. I know that you guys relate. The switch flipped. I remember distinctly getting some kind of bug, like a just sick one summer, and it was the summer before ninth grade. And I was going into field hockey practice, and we had preseason. And before there was preseason, there was preseason. And it was like never ending. And I was not into running and with a stick. I actually hated field hockey. I was tennis and squash were my things. If you don't know what squash is, ask me later. Um, so. So I, I just started noticing that while I was sick, I lost an appetite, and I was aware that my body, I lost a little weight. The rest is history. Like, it was one thing after another, and I started getting attention for losing weight. I started feeling nauseous when I was running right after eating, so I better not eat. And the addiction took off full tilt. Uh, by freshman year of high school, stayed at the same school, so everybody noticed. I'm talking teachers, parents. Everybody was commenting, and I loved it, and I hated it. I wanted desperately to be seen, and I wanted desperately for no one to see me. And that is a big part of this disease for me. Um, and I'm a perfectionist through and through, so it was never enough. And I, the thing I really want to share about the, the years that I was anorexic, my lowest was 82 or 83 pounds, um, is that I truly did not see that I was sick. And I really have to remember that, you guys, because I can forget. I can forget, but I did not see that I was sick. I went to my counselor in high school weeping, saying that I, people were telling me that I must be anorexic, and, da, 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 and I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And my counselor being so kind and sweet and understanding, and then she sought me out two weeks later and said, I think we should talk. And I felt like this woman turned on me. I distinctly, I wrote an English paper in high school about how I felt like I was a guiltless party at being uh, prosecuted and how this must ha be how it feels if you murder someone and you're, you're guiltless, it's not you and everybody's going, no, we got all the proof. I tr like that is the depth of the denial of the disease. Okay, college switch flips. I'm, I'm binging my brains out and that, that is coupled with uh, drinking for me. That's part of my story. Um, I had been so held tight. I was the perfect daughter. That was a big thing for me, right? I got to be the perfect little girl. I got to be a good girl. Got to stop my parents from fighting. Um, take sides with my mom. All of that. Good grades. My world was so small in high school. I was so small in high school. I'm going to college. I remember distinctly about to go off that sail to college. I go, Mom, I'm going to let go. I'm going I'm to relax a little bit. She's like, oh, what? I let go big time. I, I, it was like a free-for-all. And again, I know that you guys all get it. It's like the first, first time on your own, the dining hall, everything's available. I, I remember sitting there with this guy I liked, and it was like after we had just made out and we went to the dining hall, and I was like, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna eat this. And it was like some some brownie booky sensation that was not like real. I don't know what it was made out of, but I ate it and I was like, I'm doing this and it is it is noon. Like like oh my god. Because in my experience, if I ate that stuff, I almost said the other word, um, it would be at nine PM when no one can see me. It was, by the way, in anorexia, when I realized I could have all the sweets that I wanted, that all the sweets I wanted, right? I thought I had control of the disease then. I was like, this is amazing. I can eat Ben and Jerry's and still have this figure. And then, you know, that could only hold on to that for so long. In college, the same thing was so. I could eat rookies in the middle of the you know, day, but only for so long because everything flipped. Um, I want to say, too, that sophomore year, like, it's like the freshman 15, it was sophomore year for me, it was like the, the sophomore 35, you know, whatever that was, and it was drastic. And the pain I felt of wanting to be seen and not being seen, feeling so confused in this now voluptuous body, going from a rail to having, having a figure, not a healthy figure, right? I want to say not a healthy because the food I ingested in that short period of time was Reese's peanut butter cups from the, the, the machine and Ben and Jerry's that I was stealing. I'll talk about amends later. <laughs> um, so that, that weight that I put on, while it wasn't 100 pounds, it was a drastic, what, 50 pounds in a short period of time, and it was all uh, crazy, crazy sugar and, and um, artificial stuff. I felt depressed. I found diaries years later of me just, I could weep for this girl, right? Just F word, F word, big crosses, letters, and what is wrong with me? You know, thinking the whole time, not realizing this is a disease. Um, the last thing I want to say before I jump to getting into the rooms, because see, it's very seductive to talk about the past. I, had, I, have, I know it's helpful, too. Um, junior year, I'm in the car with three other uh, friends. Five, no, they're five. The car's full. And it's just starting to rain. And we had just gotten the tires redone. And it was a, it was, all of a sudden, we started swerving on the road. And we went whoosh across to the side whoosh back to the other side in that time um we were all like the, the boys next to me were, oh my god there's that and i just shut down and i was silent i mean i thought this was it um and i looked down at my legs and i i i thought oh my god my mom and dad they're gonna be so sad that they have to i, I hate that they're gonna have to deal with this this dead girl like i this this felt like it was it and and the next thought in my brain was what a waste what a waste of all the worry about my body. It doesn't matter. That was my next thought. Um, what, I, what a mistake kind of thing. We went off to the side. All the tires blew out. Seconds later, a Mack truck drives by, um, and we were all okay. Uh, incredibly humbling, like, right? Like, my life flashed before my eyes, and it was like, oh, what, this, this, that's where it doesn't matter. Um, I get to the city after college, yo-yo back and forth, trying to control my weight, that hamster wheel of restricting, restricting, binging, binging, drinking, drinking on the weekend. Boys, 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 <laughs> um, drinking, drinking, eating, eating, binging, binging, and just feeling miserable. And then I tried to, and I'm, the whole time I'm in therapy, God, thank you for my therapy. She was my, what do we call it, an Eskimo that gets you in the rooms? Okay, she's my Eskimo. Um, so I, uh, 
I remember being in her room and she was like, you know, Ellie, it comes, it always comes back to the food for you. It always comes back to the body image for you. You, you know, I was not showing up for work because I thought my face would looked puffy one day. I was not going to social events because I was scared of the food that would be there because I'm on a diet. I can't do that. I was sitting with you having coffee. I was not present with you. I was thinking about how I, I shouldn't have had the thing that I had a few hours later or how miserable I feel or I'm not worthy. Like it was just the constant hamster wheel of all that noise. And, um, you know, the food, uh, exercise, bulimia, all of it is just a symptom of this disease. Um, and I had a, a, you know, a spiritual malady and they didn't even realize it. So my therapist is like, I can only help you so much. You know, there is OA. What the heck is OA? I am a, you know, a 20 something year old. I've never even heard of this. I was so mad, you guys. I was so mad. A, I was not going to go and sit in a room with other people and have to hear them whine about their bodies and their food problems. That really was a big thing for me. I was like, that can't help me. And I don't want to, I don't want to, basically, I don't want to have the mirror in front of me, right? Um, and then she said, there's this other woman you could go to and she costs all this money, but it's one on one. And I was, <laughs> Thank God I was willing to like try something for free first. <laughs> I was like, I can't afford you and that. So, um, so I found myself in my first meeting, and uh, I've, it's a visceral memory. It's a Chelsea. I, by the way, I got my recovery in New York. So uh, our gentleman visiting from New York, I think his name is Jeff, Jeff, oh, oh, there's a, oh, yes, yes, hello. Um, so this is a meeting that is, uh, they're now doing construction down there, but it was in Chelsea. Um, and I sat there. I wore a big sweatshirt. I was underweight at the time, right? Yo-yo, yo-yo. Um, I thought that everybody would be obese. Um, I thought that nobody would look like me, and I walk in, and there are all these human beings <laughs> of all shapes, sizes, uh, backgrounds, and anything, right? It's the same. I mean, we know that. Um, so I sit there, and they call it a disease. And I'm like, what? A disease? It's not my fault? Like, what? It was like this, this rush through my system that's like, and then I got mad. I was like, nobody told me. A, nobody told me these meetings existed. I knew about AA. I sat in AA meetings with my mom, and I would immediately go, yeah, that's how I feel with the food. Oh, I feel hungover right now because I binge last night. Nobody told me that this was a place and that this wasn't me. This is something separate and that I'm powerless. And I heard people talking about eating food out of the garbage can and food out of frostbitten and stealing food from their roommates and um, walking by the mirror outside or, you know, reflection and going, I hate myself. My body's not okay. I am not okay. I heard all of that in the span of what, 45 minutes? And I, by the grace of God, you guys, like the only thing I've done perfectly in this program was just keep showing up. It, that was four years ago, little plus. I celebrated four years um, this past month, and uh, I just kept on going back. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to another meeting. Uh, so about a month in of um, going to meetings, I was very aware that I was going to be all in, right? I was like, I know I'm a perfectionist. So I really did go, I'm just going to go to meetings and talk to people. This is weird. They're talking about God. What the heck is that? I don't like that. Um, so that's seven. seven. I got it. All right. 
you have to make another side. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I am uh, one day just willing, right? And then the thing I want to say is when they say all these slogans, you guys, I would hear them on repeat, and we hear them on repeat, you know, one day at a time, easy does it, but do it, you know, uh, keep coming back, don't quit before the miracle. These slogans, these things that I can, you know, when I was having a bad day, I could poo-poo or, you know, be like, oh, so stupid. They are so real. They are so real. And I did. I just kept on coming back. And I did a lot of, you know what? I don't need to get it. And that's like, it's the big thing that if anybody is new, like, you don't need to figure anything out. Figure it out is not a slogan. You know, like that one really helped me a lot. I basically, I want to jump ahead. I, I was willing to basically see the person I wanted to sponsor me and, and go after her. Um, she wasn't available, and I kept on being on her radar. I worked with the interim sponsor, and in the meantime, I was like, so how do you, okay, so can I hear how you work? She told me. And I was like, now, which, which books do you use? To, with your, I'm going to start buying them. And so I did. And we started working together. So the way I work today is the way I, I worked and I was willing to. You guys, I am so grateful for my willingness. Um, what it looks, what the, the deal was, was, okay, no dating for the first six to eight months, no major travel for six, six to eight months, five meetings a week, calling three fellows a day. In the morning, pick up the phone, call my sponsor, turn over my meal plan, um, text any changes, no drinking or uh, mind-altering substances. I work a clean, sober, and abstinent program. I meant to say this, but I put down alcohol a year before I stepped into the rooms, a little under a year ago before that. I did that initially because I thought it would solve my food problem. I was like, those two are links. Let's put that down. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm still doing it. You know, the, the insanity is what got me in the rooms. I was underweight, and uh, the fact that I knew that and I was still gripping onto my body. I didn't want to, you guys, I didn't want to turn over my body. And it took a while, but in program I did it. The first year, I treated it like a diet. You know, my absence was my diet. Um, my absence was my diet. My diet was my absence. And, um, and you know what? It got me to stay. And that's okay. Like, this is, the journey looks the way it does. And, and in hindsight, I really can see that. Um, I want to talk about the spiritual awakenings. God, this, you know, the truth is, you guys, in four years, I could talk for hours and hours, and I just want to get quiet and say, like, the thing, like, jump to where I am now. Spiritual awakening of working these steps. I finished the 12th step last week on the phone. Don't tell my sponsor I was peeing while we were talking. (laughs) And she was like, well, this is unceremonious. Uh, But she didn't know. She didn't know. She goes, but yeah, after reading that paragraph, you're done. I mean, you're not done, right? And no, I'm back to step one. um, And I'm grateful for that. Um, I don't get some award. And and I knew that. Uh, The spiritual awakening, though, guys, is not some like flash of light for me in my experience. It was several things that happen over time, sometimes subtle and sometimes very intangible. The first major one that I can think of is step five for me. When I handed that over and sitting in my sponsor's apartment, I've been working with my sponsor for four years. That's on that, that 30 days I was with someone else. So we have a real, like, she knows everything. She knows everything. And to be seen, that... that um, Conditional love, right? My, my higher power is all loving. 
And she she offered a conduit for me to my higher power and continuously does. Um, after step five, I felt this pain lifted. And there's like no way to describe it other than like there was a quietness and there was a pain lifted. Step nine is where I felt a massive, massive shift. Um, step nine involved the Ben and Jerry's amends, by the way. Um, happy to talk about that later, too. Um, so about a year about a year ago is like when I wrapped a little over a year ago, step nine, I did my last events. And um, something drastic shifted in my entire being. I walk through the world and have been for, the, for that time since that happened. Just love. Just uh, with so much love and so much depth of understanding that I am completely taken care of. And that you are, you all are me and I am you. And that, um, and that I have the capacity to show up with, with just love and kindness and gratitude and to be of maximum service. Like, I can't describe this other than like what are the words that are coming out of my mouth. Um, I love myself today. I did not realize I hated myself when I came into the rooms. I can stand here and like that is like that's profound, you guys. If I like turn to my 17-year-old self, my 22-year-old self, my 25-year-old self, said Ellie, I love myself. I'm an amazing woman. And I have the capacity to show up and be a maximum service today. Like, that is amazing. And that I can say that with the utmost humility. And it's not this, you know, ego thing. It's incredible. And that is, that is, every step, like when people say the, 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 the change is in the steps, the, the, the healing is in the steps, the putting down the food, and that, by the way, I came in just to get the insanity. I just want God help me. I do not want to be in my head thinking about what I'm eating for dinner while I'm present with you. Uh, help me actually show up for this career I so desperately want to go after, but for some reason there's this massive block in front of me. Thank God I had that willingness. I just had to have an ounce of willingness, and the door just kept on getting more open, more open. And I'm so grateful for those times where I would be on the phone with my sponsor, and I'd go, the body, I'm, I'm eating too much. This meal plan. And she'd go, okay, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Has this been working? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the noise rushing goes, don't quit before the miracle. You got two doors, right? You got the, the exit door and the revolving door. The revolving door is the disease. If I say, okay, I'm going to pick up. I, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to pick up. I'm going through the revolving door. Thank you. Okay. I'll wrap up. Going through the revolving door. My body is not okay going through a revolving door. I need to change it. Revolving door. Or I sit in the discomfort and I can just go through the exit door. Both are just as painful. But this one leads to an immense amount of sanity. Um, that's my time. I can't wait to answer your questions. Thanks. Okay, this is uh, the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not of those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Um, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Mm, and I will restate those questions. Okay. Thanks.
Yeah, it doesn't allow me. I just said your name. <laughs> Great. The question was Ben and Jerry's, please explain. Um, ben and Jerry's were also my lovers for many years, right? Oh, yeah. Um, that was easier than dealing with men. Um, so, yes, I, I was, uh, oh, 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 that was, that was my jam. But I would, by the way, I would get a Ben and Jerry's in, in New York post-college. I would go to the, all the bodegas knew me. It was embarrassing. Um, but so easy, so easy. Go to bodega. I paid for them there. And I would get at 3 a.m. after going out uh, a box of cereal, a pint of Ben and Jerry's, and a banana. <laughs> gotta get, you got to get a banana in there. <laughs> um, in college, you guys, there was a, there was a cafe... And at 3 a.m. after going out, I would, everybody would come back and get their drunk food, and people would get their fries. And I would go in. It, I went to a school where it was very cold, so giant jacket, go in, open the freezer, take out Ben & Jerry's, put it in my coat, and just walk out. I thought it was invincible. I truly, and I was like, they're not going to yell at me. They're going to yell at the frat guy over there. Um, and they did. They would, like, get, they would yell at, like, some of the guys. They just never, they never got I stole so many. So part of my amends was I went up to my college. I went with a dear friend and fellow. We got an Airbnb. We made a little weekend out of it. <laughs> she was getting over a breakup. We did a little seance burning of a thing for her relationship. And then we went to my college campus. And they were on break. No one was there. I walked right into the dining hall, cry, cried and talked to my sponsor on the phone as I'm walking in. And I go and I just ask for a manager. And this woman comes up. I'm so grateful it was a woman for some reason. And uh, as you hear a lot of people say about the, the financial amends, people are perplexed. You know, they either see it all the time. Whole Foods is one of them. I think that they're like, yeah, we know the drill. Um, <laughs> or, or they're just like, what is this about? So I go... I'm shaking. I'm handing her this check for $250. That was what I estimated, by the way. And I go, you know, I, I, I went here and I, I, I took a lot of food. I just want to, I want to, I want to give you this. And she's like, what? When was this? <laughs> from the years, oh, it's from the years 2007 to 2011. Oh, that was a while ago. No, you, you don't have to do that. Please. I looked her in the eyes and, and she saw how important it was. I said, please just take it. She said, okay. She takes it. She goes, well, I've seen everything now. <laughs> so that's the story. <laughs> Other questions? <laughs> yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you sponsor? Yes. Okay. So very similarly to how I am sponsored. I'm, so I work a clean, sober, and absent program. And so I only have my experience, strength, and hope to share. And that's why it's so beautiful about this program. There's a zillion ways to work it. So, you know, what works for me may not work for the next person. Uh, I, so I sponsor people who are willing to work clean, sober, and absently. So no mind-altering drugs, alcohol, or um, we, we define your absence together. Uh, we talk six days a week. So every morning after they call in their food, um, they shoot me a text saying, like, uh, my availability is this till this day. I, I mean, this to this time. I go, great. Please call at 3 p.m. 
call it 3 p.m. We talk for 10 minutes. We do um, a paragraph, you know, out of whatever literature we're reading. It works from the OA 12 and 12, AA 12 and 12, um, dabble into the big book, depending on, you know, now, now it's like I get to wear my absence like a um, big loose garment. I also do that with the, the sponsorship. You know, it's, I have... There's a, the, the things that I said are true still to this day of like suggesting, greatly suggesting no major travel. Um, I love that I have my sponsees, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not their nutritionist, right? But I highly suggest they go to one and I am their sponsor. So especially in the beginning, you know, um, I want to make sure that they're not restricting or, um, you know, they're eating a meal plan that's sustainable, you know, not what I think. I didn't know how to eat, you know, before I came. When I found out, and truly, this is a testament to the willingness and hearing other people showing up for this program, I was eating just fruit in the morning. And when my sponsor was like, yeah, no, we're going to do a real meal, you know, and that looked like actual oatmeal and nut butters and, like, fats and protein. It was just a week of discomfort. I thought the pain would never end. I was like, there is no way I'm eating this much food. And then all of a sudden, it's the new norm. And that, that's really, I know now I'm getting off t- topic, but that is, that is the program in a nutshell for me. I don't want to do it. I'll do it. This is uncomfortable. Oh, okay, no, this may, wow, I have so much energy. Oh, it really isn't about my body. Oh, my God, getting to five meetings a week and face-to-face contact. I see why my sponsor said that's why we work. I don't know what it looks like to, to go to three meetings or two meetings in the beginning because um, that's how I, I remember. I just want to say I remember sitting with a fellow who was like, Ellie, do you, do you want to get recovery now? Do you want to do it now or do you want to spread this out? You know, and I was like, no, I'm willing. I don't want to, but I'm willing. You guys, when my sponsor said I couldn't date for six to eight months, I was like, no, that's stupid. My therapist goes, Ellie, you haven't been dating. <laughs> so, you know, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, curious, maybe a two-part question. Yeah. Amends to the raging father and the other mother. And do you find yourself taking on some rage yourself? Hmm. Great question. Okay, so my amends to my raging father makes me want to cry, and my um, mother. Um, you know, I got really mad before I got got into acceptance. I would say, guys, the first year of recovery, the amount of feelings I wasn't processing my entire life about how much anger I had for uh, for both of my parents in different ways. And, you know, parts, they, they did not have control. You know, like, parts are just part of them. And I got really mad. And during that time, I just wanted to <laughs> I was also um, in school for my art form. And a lot of it was about exploring different emotions, right? And so with anger, I, I unleashed a lot of anger through that process. I also started taking it out of my father. Like, I remember... Just being like, oh, I'm so mad. You don't get to talk to me like that. And feeling that pendulum swing in program, going from I'm a good girl, I'm a good girl, stop, dad, stop, to I'm mad and I have 
program behind me and this is no and it's like for me that is the process right I'm not going to go from over here to and now I'm in acceptance and everything's great with my parents it's going to swing and all the feelings and I am if I am going from not feeling anything my entire life to going I am putting down the substance that stopped that things are going to get kicked up so uh there's a reason the steps are in the order they are, right? I would not have been able to sit down with my father a year and some change ago to make an amends if it were a year into program. You know, I worked, you guys, it's four years and I just finished the 12th step. That was the pace I went. Um, and it's, again, it's different for everyone. By the time I sat down with my parents, I did it separately. It was magic. Um, I really, I was just talking to a fellow this morning about this, but... Every step allows me to show up in my life as it's like it is directly linked, right? So I just made an amends to a friend the other day, and I was really able to keep it on my side of the street. And when I said sorry, it was a clean sorry. It wasn't, I'm sorry, but just so you know, I'm right and you're wrong, but I'm sorry. You know, it was very clean because I got to sit there face to face with my mom and go, I'm sorry, you know, for X, Y, and Z. And one of the things I apologized, I just want to share this, is that I said, I'm sorry that... I loved you so much and it was so uncomfortable when we would get into fights that I would pretend that I was sorry before I really was. And I would fake apologize to her all the time to just get, all right, back to, let's get back to each other. And um, she, during this amends, she said, there's one thing I've always wanted to know, Ellie. She said, why did you lie to me? Right? In high school, five, seven minutes, thank you. Love the seven minutes. She goes, why did you lie to me? This is so important, guys, because... This is the disease, right? She's an alcoholic, and you think that she would get it, but she didn't get it in that moment. She goes, why would she lie to me that you were sick? I was defending you, and she was, guys. I solely think she's the reason I didn't end up in the hospital because she took my side the entire time. Teachers are calling, telling me, yeah, I think she, your daughter's sick. She goes, no, she's fine, because I was telling her I'm fine. She's like, I believed you. And I got to go, you know, I got to say, uh, I wasn't lying, you know? Um, and processing it later like I just want to say you know stepping into other meetings it's so clear to me it's like oh my god right the alcoholic the addict does not know they have this thing my dad I got to sit there apologize for all the time like frankly I was a he was abusive with me as a kid verbally and around like 13 the the tape the pendulum swung and or the coin flipped and I became awful to him I mean the way I talked to him growing up was just no daughter should talk to their father that way and um, he took it you guys because he knew that he messed up as a father he didn't want to be a dad he was he was so messy but he's like ah Ellie he said he apologized to me years later in college he goes Ellie you were so um what's the word when you're precocious he goes, you were so precocious as a little girl. I thought you were an adult. So when you wouldn't get things right away, I would get frustrated and I would yell. Um, so I just spent years just, I called him, oh, to this day, you guys, I do call him Stan. I call him by his first name. Um, now it's out of love, but it wasn't at first. It was a power thing. But I got to sit there and apologize. And what I was met with with so much love, he was like, oh, yeah, it was so cute. He goes, oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. He goes, 
yeah, you really weren't very nice, you know? I go, and there was so much me that wanted to sit there and defend and go, yeah, well, you know, why? You know, but instead I was like, yeah, I wasn't, and I'm sorry. And so a lot of this is it's not, not clean cut, right? I have living amends to my parents constantly. You guys, I'm about to go back east and help them move out of my childhood home. And I have the capacity to show up and do that with so many boundaries. I'm going to spend so much time with me, myself, and God. (laughs) But that's huge. Um, And I get to show up with love and keep their stuff separate. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Um, So have you been now dating in program? Yeah. Yes, I am. Um, my, so, so, yeah, I was really grateful that I put it down for that first six to eight months. Um, and it became very clear that, like, oh, my God, things get complicated, right? When, when you get intimate with someone else. I mean, gosh, I was spending my whole life not wanting to be intimate with other human beings. That, that's scary. That's scary stuff. Um, because of the work I've done, and uh, continue to do, right? I am constantly evolving. I'm a year from now. I can't wait to meet the Ellie that I'll be, you know? Like, I, I am loving this chick right now. And I'm also like, oh, we got some work to do. Like, we're growing. We're growing. We're evolving. Um, and relationships and dating are, are gifts, you know, that, you know, it's, this, this program's a bridge back to life. And I'm in life right now. And I needed to treat it like a, I treated program like a rehab. I did. That's why five meetings a week didn't sound crazy because I was like, this is like, this is like rehab. Um, so life got really small before it flowered and got big. And yes, I'm dating someone right now. And um, I'm just, I'm in awe of like, right, this is all supposed to be joyful. And like, my God wants, guys, my God wants me to live life and enjoy it, right? I truly believe that God wants that for everyone. Like, this is not, it's not about suffering and, and being on this planet to like trudge through life on a trudge the road to a happy destiny um, it gets to be easeful and dating is like a beautiful example of just holding the mirror back up you know I get a mirror every time I'm in a meeting and I'm like that person's bothering me you know I get to look at that because it's never about the person um, so the same is true with dating and I'm, I'm just really grateful to be in the messiness of like the I don't knowness of every part of my life today um, it's just really, it's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, you spoke about using the program as a diet for a year. Mm-hmm. What you was around body image Yeah. Body image, I, I didn't talk a lot about that, which is interesting, right? Um, body image is a huge part of, I had body, I had body dysmorphia. It's a huge part of my story. Um, and orthorexia, too. Um, two things I didn't know exactly. I hear someone go, what's that? I didn't know either, right? So, um, first of all, body dysmorphia is like, right, I do not see myself clearly. I don't have the God lens on. I don't have, frankly, Normie's lens on. I have Ellie's addict's lens on, and she doesn't, she doesn't always know what she's seen. Um, so, just like I didn't know how to eat, you know, I didn't know what God wanted me, what body God wanted me to be in because I was con- trying to control so much. Um, and I truly remember being like, there's no way I'm turning this over. Like, I will work this program. But there's no way I'm going to not 
not hang on to this thing. Again, subtly, but surely it happened. I, I do remember binging again in program and and sitting there rereading step one again on the phone with my sponsor and weeping. I remember exactly where I was sitting and really getting it on a visceral level this time that I'm powerless. Um, it's like the pain, right? When the pain's enough, I'm willing to. And I just have to say, like, it's the actions. The more actions I take, um, smart feet getting to meetings, calling fellows. Oh, my God, you guys, I use the phone so much. Um, that gets me out of me. And the thing that I come home to and helped me a lot in program, holy moly, my life started getting real and big. And guess what? So did my body. And I was like, what? This isn't right. I have a belly and now I'm showing up. Oh, dear. I'm, I'll wrap up. Now I'm, now I'm showing up more than I ever have before. And I'm in connection with human beings. These things must not be synonymous. The body I'm in at any moment in program is exactly what God wants me to be in. And for me to think it needs to be different is me playing God. Um, it's, not my, it's not mine. And I have to remind myself that every day. But just keep coming back. That's how it happens. Thanks. All right. Thank you guys so much.